Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues to firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant Schwalbe. With me, I got Leo Rojas from Pompano Beach Fire Rescue. Uh, we're going to be talking about a grab they made on July 31st of 2021. So welcome, Leo. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me on, Grant. This is awesome. Yeah, dude. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your department. So a little bit about me. Um, my name's Leo Rojas, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I just hit five years with Pompano in this past October. Um, I've been on with them. Amazing department. Uh, extremely busy. Uh, aggressive. Um, really focusing on on training and just doing the right thing uh, at the right time at all times, really. Um, about my department, we're an ALS department. We got uh, seven stations. Uh, we average about 25,000 to 30,000 calls a year. Um, our combat battalion goes from, you know, battalion chief down to captain, lieutenant, driver, engineer, uh, firefighters. And we have a couple of divisions as well, uh, fire training, fire logistics, prevention, and ocean rescue. Um, but yeah, I love, I love Pompano is it's my place. <laughs> what are you guys getting on a first alarm, uh, residential structure fire? So our first alarm, uh, you're looking at two engines. Uh, there's center Quinn out there, two rescues, um, two battalion chiefs. Um, that's, that's kind of what we're looking at. And then depending on, uh, first arrival, what they find, um, maybe request additional units or whatnot. For those people that are outside of Florida, what's a rescue? So a rescue for us, um, it's in South Florida, the, the rescue company really does a, a miniature truck company work. So we're what everybody considers an ambulance, except, we have our fire gear. We have our SCBA on the truck. We got irons, you know, um, we get assigned to uh, fire alarms with or structure fires with our with our engines. Um, but the majority of the call volume that we do run on is uh, medical in nature. What uh, who does what on a fire ground? Is it pre-arrival assignments, SOGs or how do you guys do business? Yes. Yeah, so uh, uh, generally our battalion chiefs will be first arrival on scene and they'll assume command. Um, and then our first engine and first rescue in, our first engine is going to be fire attack. Our first rescue, um, which is a lieutenant, two firefighters, that's going to be your primary search. Um, and obviously uh, situations dictate what your assignment will be. Um, on our engine, you have your captain, your driver engineer, and your firefighter. Uh, for the most part, our rescue will be assigned a primary search you'll have the lieutenant and firefighter uh, initiate that and our our third fireman will um help with the with the pose line and, and the fire attack unit um our second engine they're going to be water supply so as soon as they come in they're looking for a hydrant they're looking to you know assist our fire attack making sure we have good water supply and um we generally have a aerial or a quint there um, by that time as well to, you know, if we need to set up the aerial ventilate, um, outside Brit team or whatever needs to be done on the exterior. Nice. What, what are you guys doing for search? What's the search culture like for Pompano beach? So, um, our lieutenants carry a tick and, um, 
you know, that, that's a good tool to have. We, we do a tick guided search. Um, and depending on the crews that you're with, you can, you can have an oriented man and um, stay to, you know, right sided wall, left sided wall search pattern and uh, kind of send your firefighter on his way into a bedroom or into a bathroom or, you know, down a hall and making sure you guys have contact and stuff like that. But uh, for the most part, our, most of our homes that we respond to less than a thousand square feet. So we're, we're really not too far from each other. We're always maintaining some kind of contact, whether it's a tick or um, by voice. Um, that's that's kind of how we operate. You guys doing any VES or is that on the plate for you guys? Yes, uh, 100% on the plate. We actually had a crew do it, I believe, like a week ago. Um, they had uh, difficulty uh, finding entry into a structure that was on fire. Uh, rescue was first in on scene. They took him in and they found a window. They were able to access the interior. Um, they got in there, located the fire, communicated with the outside team where the fire was, got a hose line in play, um, put water on the fire, and they, they did a jam-off job with that. That was That was awesome. Nice. Why don't you take us to July 31st, 2021 and talk about your fire that you had? All right. Yeah. Um, so at the time I was with, I was on rescue five, two and um, at station five, two and it houses four units. So we have Quint 52, engine 52, rescue 52 and rescue 252 out of this one house. So this call dropped and the address was maybe, two, three blocks down the road. So our response time was fairly quick. Um, I was with uh, my lieutenant at the time, who's been a great mentor for me. That's who I, you know, was fortunate enough to make this grab with. Uh, Travis Griffith, he's been there for quite some time. Great officer. And we had actually a, a floating driver engineer at the time with us. So it was kind of like a skeleton crew uh, on that rescue. Um, but the call comes in at 4.48 in the morning. Um, we get in the truck, we're getting ready. Uh, my officer's kind of, you know, getting, getting his mind ready. And where I was sitting, I was looking at the, the CAD, the computer and a couple of different things just stick with you. And what came up was, um, you know, the neighbor, neighbor knows that there's a, a sick lady inside. She, she doesn't remember if she saw her there or, or what have you, but the note came in and, and I kind of gently tapped my my lieutenant. And I said, "Hey, man, there might be a lady in here. There might be somebody in there." So um, we get there, and um, our Quint did a Quint and engine did a good job doing, going over the railing. The fire was on the fourth floor. It was a multi multi story high rise building, so the fire was on Division Four. Um, we meet up with the fire attack unit. We're assigned forcible entry. We force the door, and I mean immediately zero visibility heavy smoke um we started right hand search pattern and the engine was making their way in fighting a uh fully room and contents fully involved uh kitchen fire so we do our thing we we go down to the right we come to to a small small hallway find a bathroom we make our way back around we find the master bedroom which this lady had so much furniture in the room and um, between myself and the lieutenant and our and our third fireman, we kind of we kind of did a quick search of the room, you know, under the bed, over the bed, in the closet, in that bathroom, and we make our way out into the living area. This was a one bedroom, two and a half bathroom, and we search the living area, and we're like, man, you know, we 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 don't we don't really see anything. Well, there was a there was a little table 
in the dining room area next to the living room. And she was kind of laying, laying there flat on the ground. And um, me, me and my lieutenant kind of got to her uh, at the same time. And because I've worked with him for so many years and, and we're just used to in sync on how we do things um, and these medical calls that we run, we kind of treated this as, you know, kind of scooping her up and, and going once we found her, we, we really didn't communicate. We kind of just knew what to do. Um, you know, I looked up, he looked at me and he was like, you ready? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. So um, he, he set her up, got under her arms and I grabbed her legs. Uh, we, we made our way out the door. We notified command. Um, you know, we had a victim and everything, you know, everything happened so quickly that it's, it was really hard to, kind of take a second and communicate what was going on because it was it was almost like a in a flash it was over really that's that's how it felt um but once we were outside and it's funny because the the end when we found her the engine crew had water on the fire kind of simultaneously so everything like i said everything um went really quickly fairly fast um once we were outside our i believe our medical unit was on their way in or something, something along those lines. So um, our Lieutenant made the, made the call to, Hey, let's just bring her down. We were on division four. Um, we had the elevators operating. So um, once again, we picked her up, we took her down to the elevator. We got to the first floor and we made face to face with our battalion chief there. Um, and, and we were on the ground floor, the engine, the Quinn, a bunch of other personnel, you know, brought a stretcher over and he kind of told us, he said, Hey guys, our uh, our next rescue is about four to five minutes out. And um, we, we just looked at each other and we were like, let's just take our gear off and we'll transfer transport her ourselves. And um, the, the battalion chief was like, okay, let's do it. So we donned our gear, we threw her in the back of the rescue and, and we just, we got our driver and we just started working, man. And I remember just looking up at my lieutenant and kind of like, confirming everything that we had to do it was just hard to go from fire mode to forcible entry mode to search and then now i'm like oh man we have a patient it was it was almost like a scenario at school like okay you do this now you have a patient now you got to treat the patient but it was real life um and it was it was just a roller coaster and um she for us um she still had a pulse she was breathing she had good oxygenation her blood pressure was like, man, it was, it was mint. It was mint. It was like, she was watching a movie or something. Um, you know, we, we were, and she was, we were able to tell that she was, um, she had extensive medical problems, maybe, maybe some cancer, maybe, um, something along those lines, um, due to her, her hair loss that we noted, but she was covered in soot. Um, she was not wearing any, any clothing except a t-shirt. Um, so we did the best we could with what we had and, um, we, we took her to a local trauma center, um, after that. Nice. Uh, let's back up just a little bit. Like when you guys went in and we're doing the search, like how, what were the conditions? You said it was zero vis on forcible entry. How was it once you got yeah, so, over closer towards her? Yeah. So, um, uh, we made forcible entry. It was zero vis. Um, we were kind of doing a tripod, uh, search and rescue going through the building. And, uh, once the engine got water on the fire, that's when we found her. And once, once we had kind of, uh, we, we could only feel that it was a, a person. Um, we didn't really see her. Um, so once the engine got water on the fire, 
the visibility became a little bit um, better and we were able to see our, our egress point. Um, and, you know, once, once we kind of made that decision to grab and go, we knew where we were going at that time and it, everything kind of just fell into play nicely. Now I'm assuming uh, by your description, she was a smaller woman. No, she, she was, um, she was on the heavier end. She, she was like six, maybe six foot. Um, I don't know, two, two twenty maybe. Hey. Yeah. She, I, she was I'm thinking like a little old lady. These guys just manhandled. <laughs> no, around, no, right. she was, well, I mean, uh, listen, I'm the Lieutenant I was with the firefighter I was with, they've both been on 15 plus years. I mean, these guys are needle pushers, man. Like they're, you know, we, we found the body and, um, we, we were excited and it was, it was almost that like fight or flight took over and we just took off, man. I, I mean, like I said, we, we barely communicated. I don't even think we said a word to each other. We're just like, okay, ready? Yeah, let's go. Did you guys have any struggles with like grip or anything like that as you're, as you're moving her? So the, yes, um, that's a good question. Initially when we got, when we found her, we brought her to, um, the alpha side where, where we made entry and we sat her down um, because we were losing grip of, of her person. So we sat her down. Um, that's when um, our lieutenant made the decision, hey, let's get her to the elevator. So then we readjusted and um, got back under her arms, under her legs, and, and we took off to the elevator, which was, uh, I don't know, four or five doors down maybe. you have any idea timeline from uh... – like when you guys arrived to transporting or anything like that? Yes. Yeah, so uh, our arrival was 4.55. Um, we were assigned search at 4.58. We found a victim at uh, 5.04. And the only thing I could find for the end route time was at 5.11. So everything happened. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I felt like I was on a roller coaster. It was just flash and we were in route to the hospital. That that's crazy fast, and considering you guys were up on the fourth floor too, is uh, you know that adds some time. Yeah, um, what I think what helped us a lot elevator. <laughs> the elevator was was uh, working, and um, you know it was again quick thinking on on the officer's feet, and it helped that we had just worked together for for a couple of years, and we kind of knew like, all right, we knew our expectations of each other, what we needed to get done, and that eliminated that communication factor out of it. You know, we were, we were comfortable with each other. I knew what he was capable of. He knew what I was capable of. And even though we had, you know, a floating driver engineer that day, you know, he, he was right along with us, man. He, he was pushing that needle. He was like, what do we need? Where do we need to go? Um, and it was, it was go time from, from that moment that door popped in, in that apartment. <laughs> nice. Now that you had that grab kind of, you know, sometimes we, we, talk in the fire service like everybody never knows when it's going to come you hit the lottery what are what did how's that going to change you your crew your career from here on out of anything that either confirms or you find you got to work on a little more that that's a great question man and you nailed it on the head you know you hit the lottery man because um i was thinking about the call and um i i actually thought about the moment that i got hired with pompano and it's a hundred age old question. Why do you want to be a fireman? Well, now I know why I want to be a fireman. You know, if, if I were to get asked that question again, I would say, because I want to be first in rescue. I want to be assigned forcible entry. I want to be assigned primary search. I want to find a victim and then transport them. You know, that would be my answer. And it's like, 
it's like, whoa, that's, you know, that's, those things don't really happen. Well, you know, I, I was just, I was on the moon, man. It, the, the feeling it's hard to describe. And, um, you know, coming home from that, I, I sat down with my, my wife, God bless her soul. I'm like describing all this chaos and, and I'm like, you know, th- this is awesome. I cannot express how I feel right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I wish it sounds I like you were prepared. Can you, can you imagine if not knowing when that call is going to happen, if you weren't prepared, uh, yeah, so, that goes um, down that, and you would have struggled with not knowing oh, a drag I, or not, not being comfortable with your crew or anything. Oh man, that that's, gone down. Again, that's, that's an awesome topic because, um, being in Pompano, I just, I'm around a cadre of, of guys and girls who take pride in what they do, you know, and, and, you know, as well as I know, you know, you, you have these people in your department that you kind of gravitate towards and, um, you just want to be a sponge uh, of everything they do. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a medical call, if it's a, a fire call or they're encoding something into the hospital, you know, I, I want to listen and I want to learn from these officers and, and how they're communicating and how they're uh, presenting themselves in, in front of everyone. Look, I, I just hit five years. I'm, you know, I'm scratching the surface of my career, but that day I was with, you know, solid, a solid group of people who kind of live that life. You know, they show up, they take pride in what they do. They want to get better. You know, you know, the, I, I read a quote right before we got on and, you know, un, under pressure, don't rise to the occasion, sink to the level of your training. So that goes to show you like, what is the level of your training? Ask yourself that, you know, we should all be asking ourselves that, like, what am I going to do today? That's going to improve me. And not just that improve the two, three, four other guys and girls that I'm with for that day. You know, it's, it's my training going to be good enough for them or is their training going to be good enough for me? You know, just being prepared is, is such a huge proponent in the fire service. And um, we really need to get back to appreciating that and like, and loving that, you know, loving being prepared showing up and looking at your officer and saying, Hey man, I'm ready to go. If we, if we find a victim, let's bring it outside and let's go back inside and get another one. You know, that's, that's the kind of mentality we need to have. That's awesome. I wish this was like a uh, podcast set where people were watching because the smile and the energy <laughs> that you got coming through. The thing, it's, uh, it, like people that are listening, just soak it up. Cause it, it's cool to see somebody five years on so excited about the job. And I, I love it, man. I love it. And, and things like this, you know, this, this podcast and, and, um, and like I said, I, I just have a huge appreciation for my department. So I, I got so excited when when we got to talking. I talked to one of my battalion chiefs. He printed out the call for me that day. And, um, I, you know, just stuff like that, just that feedback from your senior officers all the way down to, you know, your rookie firemen, your recruit firemen, you know, you, you need to have a circle, right? We spend a third of our life at this place. And the, outside of that, then we come home and we're trying to paint this, picture to our our family and our kids and it's hard to you know uh share that feeling you know because i really felt great you know i knew my lieutenant felt great and i even asked him i said hey man um have you ever have you ever had a grab before and he's like well yeah i had one before but she was deceased nothing like finding a body and transporting her and i'm like dude this is like a once in a lifetime you know, moment, you know, and I'm like, here I am five years on, he's about to hit 20 years. And, 
it was just a connection that will will carry on with each other for you know for the rest of our our fire career really um but yeah the, like i was saying earlier you know podcasts like you're like what you're doing this is awesome you know john sparrow with fit to fight fire uh this the standard podcast uh julian serrano prepared to fight fire you know these all you guys are are doing a, a great service man and keep up the good work you know i'm i'm like i said i'm i'm nobody man i'm five years on the job i'm i'm fired up and listening to y'all talk and share the stories just uh it fires me up that's awesome i appreciate it uh no it, you know you, you say like the once in a lifetime thing like the the study brian brush did like 10 people a day are being pulled out by firefighters yeah. and that's probably grossly under reported so yeah, the more we agreed. can share, I, I really equate it to that. It's like, it's like, you know, you buy a new car and you're like, oh yeah, no way. It's got this Kia tel- Telluride. And you look around, you're like, oh my gosh, there's a Kia Telluride on every has. corner. <laughs> um, yeah. Like this is what we're doing with grabs. I feel like, like mm-hmm. it's just happening. We're looking for, we're occupying space and good stuff is happening. Um, so with that being said, if there's 10 grabs a day, I should be getting a ton more people getting a hold of me, <laughs> trying to share their story. I realize some departments are goofy and, and, and don't let people do it. Some don't like to celebrate it, but, uh, the reason we're doing this is to, uh, shed light on firefighter rescue survey right. to bring it to life and really just, uh, get people thinking that it can happen to them. And, right. uh, it to can, learn and, it, and it can, and it will. And then, um, you better be prepared because, uh, it gets real, real fast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, Leo, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your story. Uh, like we said before, if anybody gets a grab, assist, or alive or deceased, reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe, uh, through any of the social media or 239-898-0843 is my phone number. Um, don't try to sell me some like car warranty or anything <laughs> or sign me up for medicare uh, or nick ladine get a hold of him or justin mcwilliams uh, any of us will record these and our goal is really to get one out you know every couple of weeks because uh, we get we're starting to get a lot of feedback guys like it because it's short they can awesome. listen to it on the way to the firehouse and, and get them yep. mentally prepared so until next yep. time thanks for listening to the grabs